Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. This is our Bridge to Excellence series as we look at the book of Hebrews and study this wonderful book. The book of Hebrews is all about the excellence of Jesus, that he is better, he is more superior, he is the excellent one. And so we've seen in several episodes before we've looked at his, he's the better high priest, he's the better atonement. Today I want to discuss how he is the better sacrifice. And we want to pick up from where we left off in the last lesson. And so today I'd like to read for us and consider these verses from Hebrews chapter 9 verse 16 through Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18. And I'd like for us to consider this today. Lord willing, we can get through all of those verses. Beginning in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16, it says this, For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once At the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. Chapter 10. Verse 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But In those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, 
when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. I'd like for us to stop there for this lesson today, and let's look at this in some detail as we see what God's Word is telling us about the better sacrifice, Jesus himself. We start off in this portion of Scripture talking about the will and the testament. Now, a living person is the one who writes his wishes and his will, his desires for his inheritance and for his inheritors, who are his heirs, what they are to receive, and how they are to receive it. The heirs are listed and guaranteed the inheritance by being named as heirs, but they have to wait. They can only receive the promise of what they're promised as inheritors when the testator, when the person who wrote the will, dies. That's when the will and testament becomes effective and the inheritance can then be distributed. Jesus brought in a better testament, and his death was absolutely necessary to activate his promise. Even the Mosaic Covenant required bloodshed and death, and the author of the book of Hebrews references that here. I want to look at those passages. First of all, Exodus chapter 24, and I want to read beginning in verse 3 through verse 8. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote 
all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men to the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Now in here, Moses and the people were making a covenant with God based on their ability to keep it and their promise to keep it. Now, they were not able to keep it, which is why they needed a better sacrifice. And that's what all of the book of Hebrews is teaching us. But the point that the author of Hebrews is bringing here is that even in the Mosaic covenant, the shedding of blood was required by God. There was a blood to be shed for the covenant to come into play. Moses also wrote in Leviticus 17, verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. In other words, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of anyone's sins. And that is what the author of Hebrews quoted here from Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. The blood is what makes the atonement. The remission of sins that it brings in would be pardon, freedom, forgiveness, even a dismissal of sins. It purifies and brings a cleansing. Now in the Old Testament, that's why they had to keep coming back and they had to keep offering sacrifices over and over and over because it could never make them perfect. And that's what Hebrews is teaching us here. But he's still bringing out the point that someone or something had to die. There had to be bloodshed. There had to be a sacrifice. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. The new covenant is being established here. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Jesus is having the last Passover Seder here with his disciples right before he will go and shed his own blood. And he makes this declaration in Matthew 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, they were drinking the cup of the, the Passover cup of wine, the cup of redemption, when he made this decree, the third cup, the cup of redemption at the Passover Seder. And it represents the cup of actual redemption all the way back to Exodus where the four cups and the four I will statements are listed. But he is telling them that in drinking this, they are symbolically drinking what he is going to actually fulfill in giving his own blood for them in this new covenant that he is cutting with whoever will believe in him. So that's what he's establishing here. 
And that's why we remember the Lord's death every time we take communion. We remember his body broken for us, and we remember his blood shed for us. We do not, it does not become his body and his blood. That's, that's erroneous. That is unscriptural. But we do it in remembrance of his one time sacrifice on the cross of Calvary that was the place where he shed his blood on our behalf to pay for our sins, to grant us remission of our sins. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47, it says this, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48, and you are witnesses of these things. So the call to his disciples is to share this good news in his name, that repentance and remission of sins is found because Jesus is the better sacrifice. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter is preaching here and he says this, In verse 38, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Praise be to God. We see this continuing. That was in Acts with Peter. Here we go again. Notice this in Verse 43 of Acts chapter 10, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins because his blood is better. His sacrifice is better and it completes it all. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18 that we just read, it says, now where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. So when Jesus came and was the better sacrifice, he brought real remission of all of our sins, real forgiveness, dismissal from the sins and from the guilt of it. There's no longer a need for any other offering. There's no other offering that can top that. Nothing else can compare. Jesus is the better sacrifice. He has the better blood, this blood that was necessary for purification The earthly tabernacle and temple were copies of the temple in heaven. And even they needed this blood. They needed the blood of animals to cleanse them. But that will not work in the heavenly one, not the blood of animals. In the heavenly one, it had to be divine blood, pure, purified blood, the blood that's of the highest quality, completely pure with no defilement and no sin. The better sacrifice was necessary. It was an obligation of duty and law. Enter Jesus into the picture. He never one time on earth entered into the holy place of the temple, the earthly temple. He was not of the priestly line of Levi. He ministered only in the temple courtyard areas 
not the places that were restricted to the Levitical priest, even though the priestly line and the servants in the temple had been corrupted during the first century by the Romans. But by the time of Hebrews writing, by the time the author of Hebrews is writing this book, Jesus has entered the heavenly holy place, most holy place, heaven itself, the most holy place where the presence of God is. He has appeared to God in heaven. Then the author of Hebrews contrasts for us how the high priest alone could go on the Day of Atonement one day a year, every single year, but he had to repeat it every year because this was only a shadow, not the substance. But Jesus went one time, once for all time. No one else ever has to go back. There is no other sacrifice. He doesn't have to die over and over and over again. He died one time. And now he has appeared in God's presence for us. In other words, instead of us or on our behalf for our sakes. Notice in chapter 9, verse 26 of Hebrews, it says, but now, representing the transition once one single time, and this completes it. It completes it. It did the work that was necessary. Once in the end of the ages, in the completion of all of history and all of time, he has appeared to put away sin, to cancel sin. Jesus has canceled out sin's penalty and sin's power through his sacrifice of himself. That's what the author of Hebrews is telling us here. I want to reread verse 27 of Hebrews 9. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ, verse 28, was offered once to bear the sins of many. We need to understand this. We need to understand in verse 27 that we will only die one time. We have one life to live, and that's it. And then we will die, and we will face the judgment, either the Bema Seat judgment for every Christian, which is something to look forward to. I would encourage you, if you want to know more about that, check out my Beaming at the Bema Seat series, where I go into great detail in those lessons about the Bema Seat so that you understand what is ahead for every Christian. Or if you are not a Christian, when you draw your last breath, if you have refused Jesus Christ and never believed in him for your salvation, put your faith and your trust in him, and you do not know him, then your judgment will be the great white throne judgment, and your end will be into the lake of fire eventually. Every person will physically die one time and then must face judgment. This is in the context but here, in the same context, there is a blessed truth of a great exchange. Because verse 28 tells us that so, or in other words, in the same manner, and under these circumstances, Jesus Christ came sacrificing himself one single time. He was offered. 
he was bringing or bearing forth to the one who is to judge him. He is bringing and bearing forth, taking up, putting upon the altar, lifting upon himself our punishment. He bore the sins of many. I want us to look at a few scripture passages on this because he is the Messiah who came and who obediently and willingly laid down his life. Notice this. In Psalm 118, this is a messianic psalm. And the Jews recognized this, which is why you had them crying out one of the verses from this psalm when Jesus rode into Jerusalem in what we call his triumphal entry. Psalm 118, verse 26 and 27 says this, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. This is a messianic psalm and Jesus knew that. And so willingly and obediently, he says, even in his own heart, he willingly says, bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Jesus, after the Garden of Gethsemane, was ready then to lay himself on the altar called the cross and to shed his blood for our sins on our behalf in our stead. In Isaiah chapter 53, that's one passage that is all about the suffering and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is all about the gospel and I would encourage you to read the whole psalm. I'm going to read Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 8. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. Here we see clearly that the iniquity of all of us is what was laid upon him. When he laid down on that cross, he took our sins. He bore our iniquities. And it was because of our transgressions that he was smitten on that cross. Jesus himself said it like this in John chapter 3, beginning the reading in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The choice is yours, but Jesus has paid the debt for all of our sins. If we will believe in him, if we will call upon him, if we will truly cry out to him, repent of our sins and believe in him and in his finished work on the cross, we will be saved. We will have everlasting life and not perish according to the promise of God in his word, because Jesus is the better sacrifice. We also find out in this book, in Hebrews, in our study, that he's coming back a second time. But it, but this time, he's not coming back because of sin. He's not coming back to die on any more crosses. He died one time for all. But rather, he's coming back because of salvation. What's called in the scriptures the redemption of our bodies. So that he can gather his bride and give us the resurrection that he has promised us. And give us a brand new body in our heavenly home. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, we saw how the law was a shadow of the coming good, not the actual image of it. The law is unable. It can never, never at any time, not at all, make sinners perfectly clean, perfect, complete. It cannot fill up what lacks to make it full or fit. It cannot accomplish, bring to an end, the result that is expected or proposed. The law can never execute fully or place anyone in a condition of finality. It can never advance a person to a state of completeness without needing any further provision. The law cannot do that. The law cannot bring you to the ultimate goal or fully develop you in perfection. So in chapter 10, the author tells us in verse 2, there's a logical conclusion. He says in verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. In other words, there'd have been no more need year after year after year if the sacrifice they brought worked. If it worked, They'd be clean and free from sin and from its guilt. Oh, hallelujah. But notice in verse 4, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. It was not possible. It was an impossibility. Animals' blood could never, not even one single time, take away, remove, or cut away the sins of people. Cannot do it, period. So here we go again. Jesus comes on the scene into the world, and he declares even himself here that his purpose is to do God's will. Jesus makes clear to us that God never desired ultimately the sacrifices of animals year after year after year. He didn't take pleasure in that. Those were only a shadow of the better things to come. Those were the continual reminder to them of their sins and of their need for the salvation that God was going to provide, the Savior that was coming. 
Jesus came and God prepared a body for him, a human physical body. Only God becoming man could reconcile man. There was nothing else that could do the job. Only God becoming man to die for the sins of mankind could have the eternal, sinless, and divine blood that would then be acceptable in heaven to pay for the sins of all the world and to grant remission of sins. That's the only thing that could do the job. It was absolutely necessary. In this particular section in Hebrews 10, he's quoting Psalm chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. I'd like to go there for a moment and read that from the psalm. And it says this, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burn offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So this is what the author of Hebrews is quoting. And I want to just point out, when you look back in the psalm, it's worded a little bit different in regard to the body versus these ears being opened. And I believe that there may be a understanding of that in that the ears being opened is that Jesus then was given the ability, understood God's will, coming with open and clear revelation. Even at his birth, he knew he had come to die for the world. Some have said he was born in the shadow of a tree. That may be true. Some have put it that way. But he came with open ears to do the will of God. And Hebrews tells us here that he takes away the first, the animal sacrifices that are not as good. They cannot really do the job. They cannot accomplish what needs to be accomplished. He takes away the first. He does away with it in order to establish the second, to make it stand, to fix it permanently, because the second is Jesus' blood of the new covenant that is shed for the remission of sins of many. Now, in this fixed position of God's will through the offering of the second, the better sacrifice, one time, this body of Jesus now, And through his offering, we are now sanctified, set apart for the Lord as holy to him. Set apart as holy, separate unto him. Then the author of Hebrews clarifies it even further by contrasting the priests and their daily service that they had to do day by day, offering the same sacrifices over and over, even though they were unable to permanently do the job. And he contrasts that with Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, the better sacrifice, his one sacrifice offered by he himself one time for sins forever. And notice also in this passage that the priest were working day by day. There was never a rest because the job was never done. The ultimate was never accomplished But notice this, the contrast between the priest and their day-by-day working versus Jesus who came and offered himself one time and now has sat down in the position of rest and completion. 
because the job's been done. Nothing else is required. And now he is sitting at the right hand of God, waiting on his day of victory that is assured to come, where he will have victory over his enemies. With this one sacrifice, this better sacrifice of Jesus himself, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified by his blood. He has completed it. He has accomplished it. He has done what the law could never do. The Holy Spirit brings the witness to that at salvation because of the prophetic word from Jeremiah chapter 31 and that this word is now fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the bringer of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit witnesses that at salvation, we are new creations and we are partakers and inheritors of this new covenant, this new testament that is written inside of us by the author of the Holy Spirit of God. And as being part of this new covenant, one of the blessings for us is that God never brings back our sins. He never brings to mind our sins. They are gone. They're gone in the sea of forgetfulness, according to the Lord. Sometimes we try to bring them back. But I've heard someone say it like this. Don't fish there. Don't go fishing in that sea. God forgives and forgets our sins, throws them away, erases them and removes them. Hallelujah. He completes the work. There's no more need. Jesus is the better sacrifice, the one that did the job that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law could never do. Jesus, one sacrifice, has brought for us completion of remission of our sins for all who will believe in him, in his finished work, and receive his work done on the cross for them. I pray that's you, beloved friend. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you will join us again for future episodes of this Bridge to Excellence study as we attempt to continue to go through the book of Hebrews. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.